ever so briefly touch on what Keith was talking about in terms of the, the broader partnership of our churches. Yeah, it's been a difficult year to say the least. I told a group last night it's been crazy uh, in many ways. But, but through that, with each visit to the churches in our region, there, there's something, not only is it unchanged, it's actually as strong as ever, and that is the camaraderie and partnership church to church to church to church to church. So whether we're on vacation this summer, visiting the two Atlanta churches, the churches in Florida, South Carolina, and here with you, there's something very unique from my vantage point about what we call the Southeast region. Now, I know you guys are geographically a little further out in that region than many of the churches are, but having come from the Northeast, which geographically was from Toronto, Canada, to East Lansing, Michigan, over to the Jersey Shore, uh, crazy size region, uh, there, there's, there's something here that is very, very sweet, and, and I'm so glad to be a part of that. And in, in fact, uh, you know, one of the ways in particular uh, we want to express that, we're, we're working out these details as we speak, but my hope is there's going to be a team coming from Metro Life Church in mid-October to join with you as you go down to, to uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, Braithwaite, to just care for and minister to those folks. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I was telling some folks last night, uh, I think through Hurricane Katrina, this, this, if one church threatens Metro Life Church, I mean this in a good way, it's this church, it's Lakeview. And I mean it this way. So many people at Metro are like, oh, I'd love to move to New Orleans, you know, <laughs> again and again and again. Probably helps we don't have a football team uh, really in the whole state. There are a couple teams there, but they don't really play. They're like Division Three college teams maybe, but they don't really play football. And, and the Saints will beat the Chiefs today. That will happen. So they will be one and two. So today, today's an important game. They're going to get it done today. Uh, so I, I was telling the group last night that uh, there's a sweet college-age young girl in the church. I won't name her because someone will probably try to recruit her uh, from here. But Friday or Thursday, she comes into my office like, you're going to New Orleans this weekend? Like, she never does that when I'm going to any of the other churches, like ever. But when I'm coming here, she comes in because she was one of those people who were here uh, during Katrina. And I won't be surprised to find uh, that she's here in a few weeks' time as well. So uh, we're working on the details of that. One way or the other, I, I do trust we're going to have a team of folks able to come and just partner with you uh, in your local mission, because we know this about you. You would do the exact same thing if, if that hurricane blows through Orlando. You would, you would have it in your heart to come and do that work as well. And so we are so grateful. So, so through all the chaos, craziness, whatever word best describes it, this is unchanged. And I'm so grateful to God. And sitting down to dinner with Keith and Gina Friday night, uh, you know, and just talking and catching up. Uh, there, there's so much that's unchanged through even uh, a difficult uh, year. So I'm so grateful. And finally on that, I just want you to know, I don't think this will surprise you, but being in the middle at times, you're, you're not sure uh, where you go yourself when you just have to just unbear your own soul. You know what I mean? You, you know that as parents where you're trying to be strong for your kids so it's not in front of them. You necessarily always want to let your guard down because you don't want that to discourage them. Uh, well, I felt that way at times. And uh, outside of the local team, there have been three men in particular, and Keith is one of them, where he's, he's heard it from me raw, 
right down to the bone, and I thank God for how he's listened and cared for me in that. So, so in a way, I have felt pastored by Keith through this season, so I thank God for your senior pastor. I thank God for you. I love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, having, having said that, I, I must have missed your series name uh, I mean, you just said three legs and six feet and reviewing it. I think Jason has shared, I wish I had 20 minutes to talk about Jason and my gratitude for all of you for welcoming Jason, Judith Ann and their family into this church. Uh, but you've had Jason share his heart. You've had Evan share and Jeff share and now I'm sharing. So I, I thought this series was called Keith's on Vacation. I didn't know. <laughs> I, like three, that is, that, I love, I wrote, I took notes like how can I not preach for months at Metro but appear to be leading? I, it's, it's amazing, you know, outstanding. I like, this is great. It's like, I, I wrote it down. It's right, it's right here, right in my notes, right here. So seriously, I want to ask you a favor because I, I, I need this guy to commit. Uh, Lord willing, if we have that group come October 16th to 20th, Keith and I have been talking about Keith coming to Metro, because it's been a while since we've had a regional pastor in, uh, and, and if it's okay with you, uh, I, I'd like for you to let him know that, yeah, go, go to Metro October 13th. Will you tell him that, please? Is that okay? Thank you. So, can we be done with this? You don't know. I mean, they're giving you one more pass. He will preach every Sunday the rest of the year after that, right here, and, uh, and earn his keep, but uh, we... Seriously, uh, Keith was a blessing when uh, we had our Love One Another regional conference back in February, and I'm eager for the whole church to hear uh, that. And uh, I can't imagine a more visible way to get our partnership connected than the possibility of Keith preaching and then that same week a group coming uh, back up here from Metro Life Church. Well, would you please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6 this morning, and what a joy to talk about this topic, so thanks for asking me to do so. Uh, Keith, Ephesians 6, 21 to 24, uh, in, in just considering this, uh, when Keith first asked me to come and share on what my own experience was like when we were planted in 1999 out of Covenant Fellowship Church, and we went roughly 35, 40 miles to the north, to plant Grace Community Church. What was that like? And specifically, what was it like having the proximity of Covenant Fellowship Church, the Sending Church? And then to, to literally get to do that on Friday, to get picked up at the airport by Keith and then head right over to Jeff and Kathy's house and drive around and, and, and really just relive it in a sense. You know, the, the, the distance, the sense of scope and scale of it all. We, we didn't have a big lake between Covenant Fellowship and Grace Community, but we had about the same distance. Uh, and so what a, what a privilege to come to this text. So would you read it with me? Uh, it is, I think, from my vantage point and on this topic, uh, the most powerful close to any of Paul's letters. I, I think uh, sometimes the intros and the the closing salutations, I, I, I can personally forget, wait, these are every bit as much the inspired word of God and living and active as the body, the content in the middle. And so I think we're going to see that from this text. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians as he closes. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you 
for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Would you pray with me as we look at what it means to partner together in the gospel? Lord Jesus, thank you for Lakeview. Thank you for their heart to spread the radiance and the beauty of your gospel beyond this location. Demonstrated yesterday through mercy and care, the gospel practically displayed and proclaimed as we prayed for Eddie. But specifically this morning, we turn our attention north to the other side of the lake and and just to consider what is it you're asking this church to do that the light of the gospel could, Lord, burn more brightly over there. And the part this local church plays in that, it's not the only local church playing a part, but, but what is that part? And so, Lord, this morning, would you stir up the church, Lord, to consider what you're going to do Lord, that October morning of 1999, we were 55 adults and children. And on that final parting Sunday, almost two years ago, looking out at 425 people in that small town in Pennsylvania, seeing faces that 12 years earlier did not know you as Lord and Savior. Hearing just on the phone in the airport Friday before coming here that 19 baptisms took place in that church last weekend. 19. And several of those, not, not just kids who've grown, but new conversions. Oh God, thank you for partnership. So envision Lakeview for what you're going to do through this work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Saturday was an amazing day. It was a little full, a little packed. It was an amazing day. Uh, In the middle of the day was my son's hockey game at the start of his next season. He's a little bummed right now. He sprained his wrist in that game. He's on a two-week hiatus. Uh, just to bring you into my son's world, I think, I think he learned this from his mother. I think everybody else thinks he learned this from his father. But his team was getting annihilated, 8-2. to two. There's four minutes left in the game, and he scored. Makes it 8-3. to three. They've got no shot of winning this game, but he drops to the ice, does a 360 double fist pump like he had just won the game. And we, we tried to review, you know, like um, when, when you're down by that, that's like being, it, that's like for football fans, that's like uh, 49 to 14 with three minutes to go and you get a field goal. You know, like it's probably not appropriate for the kicker to go off the field like he just won the Super Bowl. Just like nice kick, well done, but it doesn't really change the outcome at all. Uh, and so he is now on injured reserve. But before that game and after that game was this wonderful day full of activity. It began in the morning 
over in Titusville, Florida, about 35 or so minutes from Metro Life Church, where another brother in the church and I went over for a men's breakfast. And uh, together we looked at um, men like Nehemiah. And then later in the afternoon at 3 o'clock until 7.30, uh, Lake Nona Church, the church just planted out of Metro Life Church in January, arrived at Metro Life Church and Grace Church, Wayne Brooks Church, that was planted out of Metro Life Church seven years ago, came over, they arrived, and about 200 of us spent four and a half hours together on relationships. And it was a marvelous, marvelous time. But what, what was just so wonderful was to see how, how through the proximity we could come together. And particularly as Metro Life Church, we could, we could get alongside a Benny and the team that went to South Orlando. Uh, and without Benny having to find a location and administrate and do all these things, we could just say, why don't you just come and join us? And we could say the same to Grace Church. And we ended that time by announcing a marriage retreat in Cocoa Beach in January so that four of the churches that are close could just come together. And we could do the work for them. All they need to do is arrive if they feel so led to arrive. Well, I, I think that is a lot of what is going on at the end of Ephesians 6. Now, I don't know that they had a relationship seminar. So I'm pretty sure they didn't do a marriage retreat in Cocoa Beach in Ephesus. But the proximity of churches and how that got them intertwined in one another's lives and the difference that that can make. These, these closing verses inspired by God are, if you will, a celebration of partnership and what that partnership entails. And it leads, it leads Paul to conclude his letter with a flood of affection. And so briefly with you, I, I just want to look at what does partnership look like as you consider and pray about, if I'm remembering the name correctly, Jeff, Christ Community Church. What will it look like for Lakeview not only to send what I'm really after this morning is after the sending. What will partnership look like between you and them? And, and that partnership isn't, isn't done on the day you send them. It only just begins on that day. And I, I think there's probably more, but I want to offer three, three uh, portraits of partnership here in these closing verses of Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Uh, partnership is one, gospel-driven. It is two, relational. And finally, it is pastoral. It is first, gospel-driven. Look with me at the text in verse 21. So that you, Paul speaking to the church, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. First, I, I love, and we're going to get to relational in a moment. I, I love that how I am, but, but look at what else he says. What I am doing. What is Paul doing? <laughs> He's doing the work of the gospel. He's all about proclaiming the gospel and seeing churches get established in the gospel, and he, he knows that the other churches want to know what's going on in those other churches as it relates to the gospel. So he's sending Tychicus so that the church in Ephesus would know what he's up to in other places, what's going on in other cities not that far from Ephesus. 
Paul's mission was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that proclamation and the ongoing maturation in that gospel is what he celebrates, what he wants the Ephesians to know about. He knows they're interested in that. So he's bringing them in on his mission, which is also their mission. You know, Years ago at Covenant Fellowship Church, we had this uh, banner, uh, and it just said Covenant Fellowship Church, and underneath it, on a mission. And what I love about that is um, there are words within Christendom that cycle every five or so years, and, and mission's one of them. I think we're actually near the tail end of it. People are getting tired of it because we've been hearing about it for the past few years, and it's like, it's like you're not even a church if you don't have a mission statement, you know, like you don't even exist, and other words have meant things at different times, but before mission was in, we had a mission. We had it on our banner. We were on a mission, and, and all, all mission is is simply trying to answer the question of, you know, who are you? What are you about? Well, who Paul was and what he was about was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, that's, that's, what, that's what fueled his partnership. That, that was the foundation of his partnership. And so, like in your case, um, it, it's not going to be the saints and jambalaya that form the basis of your partnership with Christ Community Church. It's going to be something far grander than that. It's not, our partnership isn't driven by what, what we like together so much, but, but what God's called us to together. These churches were very different churches, but they had this in common, a hunger and passion to see the gospel of Jesus Christ take root in their various cities. And and you see that no matter what letter of Paul you're reading. So to the Philippians, early in Philippians 1, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's that until now I want you to get envisioned for, for Christ Community Church. Not just the first day, but the until now day. That's what Paul was thankful for. To the Colossians, he said it this way. We always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So that, that, that's always what it centers around for Paul. Partnership is gospel driven. And you think about that. Your, your partnership with people in this church is gospel driven, at least I'm thinking it is, because some of you are very different from other people in this church, right? I mean, if it wasn't for the gospel, would you be doing life with some of these people? You know the ones I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm not sure you'd even let me be up here if it wasn't for the gospel. It's gospel driven. It's one of the most amazing things about the church, the family of God. It's like, look at how people come together who, apart from Jesus Christ, would never think of doing life together. This wouldn't happen. I mean, we have Seminole and Gator fans in Metro Life Church, and somehow they don't kill each other. Because it isn't about things like that. Those are fun things. That's not what our partnership's about. Our partnership. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not not only its proclamation, but a passion to see people grow up in that gospel. 
So for Paul, partnering in the gospel, that created connectivity between the churches. They knew they were in something together, and so Tychicus was coming to tell the Ephesians everything. We're in Acts, in, in Metro right now, in a series in the book of Acts. Last week, I just ended chapter 14, and the end of chapter 14, it's the conclusion of the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas have been gone for two years, and they get back to Antioch, the sending church, and the end of the chapter is how they spent no little time with the brothers and the sisters there, telling them all that God had done. Can you imagine that meeting? That must have been one very cool meeting or meetings for for them to get reports, to hear what God was doing in Cyprus and what God was doing in the other Antiochs, because there were numerous cities called Antioch in that day. What God was doing in in Lystra, Derb, these different places. What a meeting that must have been. And and, and I, I, I can envision, I see ahead a day after this church plant goes out and it's that first Sunday and then that next time and the next time that Jeff is here and he's sharing with you what's happening on the North Shore. You're going to be interested in that. You're going to want to know about that because you're partners. You're going to want to know everything. I love that, the end of verse 21. He will tell you everything. Uh, Wayne Meeks, in his book, The First Urban Christians, he said, the local group of Christians not only enjoyed a high level of cohesion and group identity, they were also made aware that they belonged to a larger movement. And that's right. They belong to something bigger than just themselves. So gospel activity was Paul's preoccupation, and it should be ours, talking about, praying about, celebrating, proclaiming, yearning for more of the gospel's work in our lives and midst. That's, that's why you're planning a church, because of this gospel. And, and honestly, I can't, I can't think of a greater way to be on a mission than to get out there and proclaim that gospel and establish a local church so that the advance of the gospel can go on and people can mature in that gospel. I think sometimes, you know, we just forget the timeline. As you read the New Testament letters, how Paul will make references to how they're growing and maturing. That, that took time. That took more than just sharing Christ and then leaving. It took sharing Christ and establishing a community of believers there. That's what we're after in this gospel-driven partnership. And, and there's something about proximity that, that makes that flourish in ways that are, that are not impossible, but just more challenging when you're further and further away. We were, as I mentioned, about 35 miles away from Covenant Fellowship Church. I actually went to the pastor's college with a desire to plant a church in Boston. My family's originally from New England. Uh, but uh, through a number of things, ultimately God's providence, I believe, uh, our radar moved to uh, the northern suburbs of Philadelphia. I was, at the time, the youngest guy to plant a church in our tiny group of churches at 26. I don't recommend it. I was way too young. Thankfully, I had two elders who were twice my age. That's the only thing that made it legitimate because uh, our, our median age was like 47. So that's how we made it work. Um, but uh, it didn't take long into that to... Thank God that I wasn't in Boston. Because at that time, in our family of churches, that that would have been 250 miles away from the nearest 
church. Not that there wouldn't have been fellowship and connectivity with other churches there, but in terms of that like-mindedness, that, that partnering in the deepest of ways, relational, and all that that entails, um, it was going to be a distance. But the ability to uh, meet halfway that was a constant activity, you know, meeting, meeting that pastor or that pastor from Covenant Fellowship halfway. I don't know how you guys are going to do that in the middle of the lake. I don't know if there's like a houseboat out there serving up something, you know, you guys will figure it out. But uh, what, what an encouragement that was. Um, to One of the tensions I think church planters feel is, is that awareness that you, you just can't do everything. And you've got people coming in and they want to know what's going on with their children's ministry and this and that and what's going on. And you're just, you know, you're, you're just trying to, to prepare a sermon and, and, and figure out, you know, um, man, I, I didn't know I had to administrate. I didn't know I had to lead. Wor- I led worship for, oh my goodness, that's how bad church planning could be sometimes. Because God didn't bring that person right away. There's just so many things that fill out your week. So like last weekend, to, to be able to say to particularly Benny as they've just planted, hey, buddy, it doesn't matter what we have going on here. Redeemer Church of Lake Nona is welcome. We want you here for everything and anything that will serve and encourage you and give your people a sense of connectivity to something bigger than what's going on in their own locale. And how can we come to you? What can we do there for you? Those things are so, so encouraging. Uh, Now I'm grateful as a family of churches, I'm grateful for what we were able to enjoy this past summer in June with the Alive Youth Camp. Uh, You guys had three dozen people uh, or more uh, that were there. It was wonderful. I, I think it was wonderful. I'm a little biased, but I thought it was a wonderful several days together. I think we encountered the Lord together. I, I hope that's what your kids came back and told you. It was, it was phenomenal. I look forward to a group from Metro coming here in a few weeks' time, Lord willing. I look forward to going to be with Johnny Duari in the church in La Paz, Bolivia later this year. But as meaningful as those things are, they're not the same as local. They're not the same as right in your backyard, so to say. So I, I think of it this way. Picture, picture circles, you know, like a, like a power grid, except this is the gospel grid. And here you are in Lakeview, this neighborhood in New Orleans. And, and, and the gospel goes out from here. But the further from here you get, if, in a sense, the, the, the dimmer the light gets, you know, because it's just not as close. And so what do you do? You go plan another church. That's exactly what was in Danny's heart for Metro Life Church. If you picture a map of Orlando, you have Metro to the north, Grace Church, my west or yours, whichever one works right there. Redeemer to the south, Titusville to the east, the city surrounded, if you will, so that that light of the gospel can just radiate forth from there. We're aware that, listen, we can continue to try to reach South Orlando, but we're going to be limited from North Orlando in doing that. So what can we do? We can plant a church. Wait a minute, this isn't the best time to plant a church for Metro. Um, Why not? (laughs) I mean, what, what's the requirement for planning a church? 
Um, do, do lost and hurting people in South Orlando need Metro Life Church to be on top of its game before they can plant? It's been tough, I tell you, be honest. It's been tough. You know, like seven grand a month went out on that church plant. And that affects things. It does. Ah, oh, but it's glorious. Two weeks ago, or last weekend, excuse me, here's what makes it glorious. Looking out in the relationship seminar, and there, there they are, Brad and Mia, this couple that was at the end of their rope in January, and they go into a store, and they bump into a person who's going out on that church plant to Lake Nona, and they get to talking, and they exchange numbers, and they meet for a meal, and this couple found their way to the new church, and about three weeks ago, when I was there with them in Lake Nona, Benny had them share their testimony of the difference Redeemer Church of Lake Nona is making in their lives, how their marriage is getting restored, how the church has embraced their two autistic children, and all that that entails. And you're just aware in that moment, God could use anybody else to be sure, but he wanted to use us. And so it's worth it. It's always a good time, so to say, to take the gospel out. So I'm grateful that you've got that vision and, and, and that it won't end, Lord willing. It won't end on the other side of the lake. Why not Baton Rouge eventually? Why not beyond and beyond, beyond? And it begins with this first one, with Christ Community Church. It's gospel-driven. Secondly, it's relational. I read this already. But Paul says, so that you also may know how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister and Lord, will tell you everything. And he ends it. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. One, one commentator describes Tychicus as one of the unsung heroes of the New Testament church. He was a co-laborer with Paul. He actually delivered this letter to the Ephesians. He also delivered the letter to uh, Colossae, and uh, he accompanied Onesimus in the book of Philemon, the converted slave back to Colossae to Philemon. So he likely carried that letter to Philemon as well. Tychicus was a busy, busy guy. But what, what's, what's accented here is that his coming, and I want to say this, this is what's in my heart this weekend, my, my time with this church this weekend, it's not formal. It's not even primarily formal. It is 100% relational. Relational. That was Paul's heart. Listen to how he said it to the Philippians. He said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. You get that relational impulse to the Philippians a little later. He says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all, and he's been distressed, distressed because you heard he was ill. That's not formality, friends. 
And you know what I love about that in Philippians? If, if you follow the flow, he said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. So imagine Paul. He's in prison. He's thinking about the Philippians. He's thinking about his love for them. He's thinking about their love for him. And he wants them encouraged. He knows they're wondering, how is our brother doing? Oh, how soon can I send Timothy? Well, Timothy's, he's, he's not available right now. Paul's not content to wait for Timothy to be available. He's like, so I'm sending you Epaphrodites right now. So relational. He, he didn't like that they would be left not knowing. And Epaphrodites wanted to go because he knew they heard he was ill and they were concerned about it. Now remember, we're not texting and Skyping back in this day. You know, you had to show up. And I think it should stay that way. Amen. The Thessalonians. Paul had a way of teaching without telling them he was teaching so that he could teach them. Listen to how he does that here in 1 Thessalonians. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. So he's about to write to them. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Paul, I thought you just said you didn't have to tell us that. That's how he would teach so often. I just tried to do that right here. I don't know if it worked. You already do this. You're a relational church. Paul's concern, his passion, I share it. Keith shares it. Jeff wants it. Is that we keep on doing this. We keep on with brotherly love. We, we keep on with genuine concern about the welfare of one another. And this church absolutely excels at this. One commentator speaking about how the Thessalonians excelled at relationships. This is what they, they said of them. The extensiveness of the Thessalonians' concerns for believers elsewhere is impressive. This generosity was evidence of the emerging solidarity between congregations in distinct localities. And that's what I trust is going to happen for you with Christ Community Church. There's going to be a solidarity. Not, not merely because they're nearby, but because you care deeply. Let me just read one more. 2 Corinthians 8. He's, he's again describing uh, the churches and their care. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So you get what's going on there? The churches in Macedonia are aware. The church in Jerusalem is struggling. They're in famine. They need support. They need help. Well, Macedonian churches weren't made up of a bunch of Macedonian millionaires. They were in their own time of need. But that didn't prevent them from praying, Lord, how would you have us partner with the church there? So Paul was sharing that to remind the Corinthians who, in comparison, were well off, to remember that they too had pledged to do the same thing. Well, the Macedonians had already fulfilled it. And I don't think Paul's concern was money as much as the difference he knew it would make to the church in Jerusalem that the churches around had them on their hearts. 
Wow, does that make a difference? It makes a difference in so many ways to see partnership expressed that way. It, I can't quantify for you the difference it makes when you know others carry you on their heart. Let me, let me just share with you one way your church has done this, and it's been many ways. I could share numerous ones that you may not be aware of. Uh, I believe you know Danny Jones. The, the reason I'm the senior pastor at Metro Life Church now is because his health was really, really failing last year. By the grace of God, he is doing much better. He's recovering. He's not 100%, but if you'd seen him a year ago and you see him now, he, he is, by the grace of God, doing much better. He is now part-time uh, at the church, and that, that seems to be just about where his health would be right now. Uh, when he strings a couple days together, you can see it. It's taken its toll on him. But, but in the midst of that, you go through things like talking to insurance providers. Uh, we have a disability policy, but our insurance company, like most, don't actually want to give you the money when you need it. So that involves, I'm not cynical at all. Um, they, uh, it's, it's taken some work, a lot of work. Uh, so much work that we reached out to a brother in your church. Bill Treby, out of love for Danny, out of love for our local church, he took it upon himself to engage, send letters, communicate, do who knows what. The end result, two weeks ago, we received a check for $18,000 from our insurance company. Amen. Amen. And hopefully what will be a monthly outworking, that, that money represents the money the church was paying as if Danny were still staffed while the disability insurance was waiting. And I can't tell you how meaningful, it, 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 please don't misunderstand the illustration, it's not about the money. The money helps, to be honest. It, it helps, but that, that, that isn't, that's not the driver here. Why why would someone in New Orleans care? Because the gospel makes you care. Because of relationship. I, I don't even fully know all those ties. I just thank God for them. And uh, Bill, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to be here this morning. I'm, I'm glad you are. Uh, we thank God for you and Nancy I can't even imagine how many hours you give up your husband to do what he does. I'm sure there's times he's in the home, but he isn't really because he's in the midst of something else um, as just one small, but we hope, meaningful expression of thanks. Um, hopefully, Bill, you can set things down and you and Nancy can go to Ruth Chris's Steakhouse on behalf of Metro Life Church because we thank God for how you love Danny and Metro Life Church. So thank you, buddy. You want me to just end here, I'm down, or you want me to finish? <laughs> All right, that number is 39. Holy cow, it's supposed to be done at 40, right? Okay. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much. Partnership is finally pastoral. Paul says, 
verse 22, I've sent him to you for this very purpose. You may know how we are, but here's the second part, that he may encourage your hearts. Too many church plants go out and they're on their own. We don't want Christ Community Church to be on their own. I know you don't want them to be on their own. They're going to need encouragement. They're going to need a lot of encouragement. So there's that pastoral heart, and it doesn't just get expressed by pastors. It, it's a heart of a church that links those churches together. Church planning is hard work. There's going to be the need for care to know that through the joys of it, through the challenges of it, we're not alone. We're not alone. I shared with you in opening just what it's meant to me personally to not only have Keith as a friend in this season, but, but, but someone pastoring my soul various times. And I know you want that for Jeff. You want him to go out knowing that he's carried, Kathy's carried, their family's carried. Everybody who goes on that church plan is carried in your heart, supporting, encouraging, desiring to cheer him on. And you know what, as we move to a close, you know what's interesting about this to me? The last thing Paul taught on in this letter to the Ephesians before this had to do with spiritual warfare. Now, I don't know if that was just coincidence or not, you don't have to plan a church to know what spiritual warfare is. And the bomb that encouragement will be in those seasons of difficulty. That encouragement, that pastoral heart to encourage can make all the difference. Uh, I visited a church not too long ago. Uh, that would be of a, a bit more distance, and uh, it, was, it was in Nassau. And a member just came up and said, you know, these visits remind us that we're not alone. It's like, okay, thank you, Lord. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. And it's a privilege. And the aim of all that, friends, this gospel-driven partnership, this relational, this pastoral partnership, it's right where he concludes that grace would be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Partnership ought to be an experience of receiving grace upon grace upon grace and experiencing that grace together, helping one another along the way in a world where love is corrupted, where the war that wages against us is intense, partnership can tie us into the strength and the protection and the nourishment that comes from knowing we're not alone. We're in this together. We've got one another's backs, so to say. Listen, you may not be called to go to the other side of the lake. You may be called to the other side of the lake. But we're all called to consider this question. Whether Christ Community Church is your future or Lakeview Christian Center remains your future, how would the Lord speak to you today about strengthening your part?
in partnering together with the saints for the furtherance of his gospel proclaimed and also for the furtherance of his gospel lived out in us. How, Lord, would you call me to strengthen my part in the partnership? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Lakeview. Thank you for this desire in their heart to take the light of the gospel and make it burn more brightly on the other side. Lord of the lake, would you be preparing hearts to receive, hearts that we don't even know the names of yet. Lord, would would every member of this church consider their part? It's not only for those who would go. It's for everyone. Lord, locally, the the people who go are going to create voids here. There's going to be needs of service, care, support. How would you speak to those remaining to treasure, to value, and to deepen their partnership right here? Lord Jesus, thank you for making us partners through your work on the cross. Thank you we don't do this life alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. conclude by praying together this morning a couple of things. One one would be the partnership that God is creating for us as a local church, being ascending church. And we've used this phrase throughout the series that we've been doing. These are moments, and really the life of the church is always a moment for all hands on deck. Because there's no such thing as a person who's in this church And you're not called to something that makes the church be the church. There's no such thing. There's not a person here this morning who lacks a job description in the kingdom of God, a calling by God to be used by God to further his kingdom. So each time we hear opportunities like this, and we hear an opportunity now before us to partner with a church plant in each of our hearts. I hope there's a question, and that was a great question that Aaron concluded with. In what ways is God calling each of us to strengthen our partnership in furthering the gospel? Not everybody will go. Not everybody will go on certain venues that we create to serve that church as it gets established. Not everybody necessarily will be filling in a place that's been left behind by somebody that was here. But but God's going to have you in that mission somehow. God will have you full of faith, praying and fighting your way through the spiritual warfare aspect. God will call on you financially to, to partner with the sending of this church in means that will take faith on your part to do that. You know, just glancing financially at, at the numbers of what it will take for us to get this church started, uh, it'll, it'll take roughly about 10% of what we do on an annual basis for that church to exist in its first year, roughly. Which, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that that money comes out of nowhere. What it, practically it means, it, it means whatever you're given now, 
we're going to ask you to consider giving 10% more. 10% of whatever you're giving now will help fund that church and make it happen. And eventually that church will take on its own responsibility for its own needs. But our partnership in the beginning is going to be tilted on our end in helping that church to get established. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to come back and ask you specifically to help us plan financially this church's start over the course of the next year. And so I, I want to just ask you today, would you, husbands and wives, single folks, would you look at your household and look at how God would have you financially create space to partner with this church over the next year? Be able to look at what you can do in the beginning and then it is an ongoing giving process throughout the course of the next year for us to be able to launch this church and get it established uh, at the beginning of 2013. So I want us to pray that way in concluding. I want us to pray as well for Aaron. Uh, I think next week I'm going to ask you to be praying in the month of October for the Sovereign Grace Pastors Conference at the end of October. It's an important time. It's a lot of new things that are being implemented, discovered, corrected, fixed, learned. Uh, Ephesians 6 is a great relational context. It's also a spiritual warfare context, as Aaron said. So where relationships are trying to be built and sustained and flourish in the kingdom of God, right alongside that, the enemy is very, very busy. And we need to be reminded, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's happening all over our lives individually. It's happening in churches as well. So this morning, can we can we join together? Aaron, would you just stand up right where you are, bro? Let's pray for you. And Jeff, you can stand up where you're at. We're going to pray for our partnership with, with both of you men this morning. Father, thank you for the day in which you chose us individually as a church, as people to be on the receiving end of your outpoured grace. Lord, thank you for partnership that sought us out in our day of need or just practical examples of looking back through a hurricane recovery period where you made sure people were awakened in their hearts and came running to bring whatever means of grace that they could. Financial giving was lavished upon us. Individuals showing up with hands and feet to make a difference in our lives. People praying all over this country for us and lifting us up in the unseen realms of the Spirit. But Lord, we walked away from that knowing our God knows our address. He knows what's going on with us and He's caring for our lives. Lord, thank You that You have, in our lives, made us the recipients of so much grace. But we also want to be used to be the givers of that grace as well. So Lord, today awaken and deepen and provoke in our hearts a passion to partner for the furtherance of your mission on this earth. But we pray that you'd give us a heart as partners with Christ Community Church on the North Shore. Lord, dear friends that we have been sitting in chairs next to them on Sunday mornings. We've been serving in outreaches. We've been sitting in school, the word classes. We've been in covenant groups with them. Lord, and now they venture into a new place, new direction, a new mission. A pastor that's been a part of leading us and caring for us for many, many years. We've received so much. We want to give to this man. We want to give to this family. 
who's been with us. So Lord, prepare our hearts. God, awaken in us your heart for this mission. God, give us faith to move with them and to sacrifice on their behalf to give time and energy and finances and prayer to see the next chapter of your gospel mission unfold in a new location the way it did in our lives years and years ago here. And Father, we pray this morning as well that you give us partnership with Aaron, with other Sovereign Grace churches, with leaders within Sovereign Grace of trying to sort things out, trying to get something from you, trying to give and receive correction, trying to be accurate in understanding how to move forward together with unity of purpose and cause. Lord, meet with us. Lord, may this next month be a a month of you communicating by the Spirit to men given to care for churches and to lead churches into the future and be aware of what needs are there. God, we we put our voices together. Lord, and we say, God, these, these churches have made a difference to us. God, being a partner with them has made a difference to us. And Lord, your name, your name is associated with churches in this family. We want to see your glory, Lord. We want to see you move. We want to see you unify us in partnership for a future that you know exists. For the sake of your great name, for the furtherance of your great gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I bless you guys. Thank you.